Hello and welcome back to my pleasure. It's a podcast that is just for me and what is good for me, which also means though it's good for you too. Like what I'm telling you, it's actually the ultimate expression of love and caring towards you because I'm giving you all the real, all the most intimate, all the things I need to work on. Like this podcast, the price of admission is just turning it on. And then what you get is like you're in my club. That is really ultimately what's happening is this is a cult. I think I am simultaneously both perfect to run a cult and also to be consumed into one, you know, like a, what's it called? Be absorbed into a cult, be uh, taken advantage of by a cult. I'm both of those things. And today on this podcast, not today, but on this podcast, every time I'm the cult leader. Okay. So if I was to have a cult, too many people are talking about cults. I I regret this whole cult rant that's going nowhere, but I do still stand by that we're in this together. And it's so weird because I feel like so much of my personality for so many years was just kind of like about being on my own and eyes on your own paper and not needing others. And I still have those instincts. Like, I think you guys know this, but when I moved to LA, I wanted to do improv, but I had no friends. So I had to do stand up. And I thought, I think when I moved here, I thought I would do all of the things, those things, but um, I really was drawn to the concept of stand up primarily because you didn't need to depend on anyone else to do it. Now, that's an overcorrection, ladies and gentlemen. That's not good. Like, I love the power and control I have when I'm immersed in an activity that only depends on myself, but that's so not healthy long-term. And I'm really just in the spirit of like, if I'm not kind to you, I'm not kind to myself. That person that cuts you off in the traffic and goes, fuck you. They're hurting themselves when they do that. They're And they might hurt you. We shouldn't let them. But it's fucking crazy to realize like they're just hurting themselves because we're all whatever. I'm not going to get too too freaky. I don't want to scare you guys away this early. Okay. Also, everything I just said might be a made up lie and I'm going to change my mind in five minutes because I am ready to introduce myself to you guys as an unreliable narrator. I'm coming forward. I realized through the process of working on my movie, Drugstore June, which I'll have updates on soon, um, that June, my character in this film, is an unreliable narrator. And there's something about that that I, Esther, absolutely love. Like, I love a crazy girl you can't trust. I love going on a journey and wondering what, what is that about? And, you know, that's probably because I'm not all there and it's also a movie. It's not like, by the way, like don't date an unreliable narrator. That'll really mess up your whole life and your emotions. Like don't do that. And even being friends with unreliable narrators, like that can be a little, like you got to be careful, but they're, I love them. Let me pull up the definition of what that, because it's kind of a literary term. So what is an unreliable narrator in writing? 
It's an untrustworthy storyteller, most often used in narratives with a first-person point of view. The unreliable narrator is either deliberately deceptive or unintentionally, unintentionally misguiding, guided, forcing the reader to question their credibility as a storyteller. I would say that I'm an unintentionally misguided unreliable narrator. I am not deliberately deceptive. I'm more just sort of referring to this as the bigger theme in my life, which is that I am a hypocrite. And I think that means that every human is a hypocrite because it's not on purpose. It's not deliberately deceptive. It's unintentionally misguided. And it's not like I have anything specific to draw on or to that what I've been hypocritical about. I just feel it. You know, like I feel it's actually so internal because, and this is like such a, a, a display of how no, how bad press is still good press, that kind of concept, because Whenever in my head I see something and I'm like, I hate that. Like, let's say um, someone is talking about Taco Bell and I'm and let's just say I'm a person who's like, I hate Taco Bell. That sounds so gross. Like, I hate it. I actually never want to eat that again. Somehow, some way the next day, I'm like, I feel like Taco Bell would be so good. And I think that is because just the fact that it the subject came up into my head, planted that seed in my head, and then randomly the next day I changed my mind. I want it. And that's what I mean when I call myself an unreliable narrator. Now, in the movie, I'm a delusional, like delusional about my ex, that kind of unreliable narrator. Um, And hey, maybe that's how I am in real life too. It wouldn't surprise anyone. So let's talk. Okay. Oh, wait. Okay. Huge news. Last night I went to a very special, very chic event at um, the Hillcrest Country Club, which is a very fancy place in Los Angeles. And it was a dinner celebrating Adam Sandler's, uh, him receiving the Mark Twain prize, like the Kennedy honors, whatever, like crazy high level shit. And I finally met the Heim sisters. They were there. They sang a song. And as soon as I saw them, I did not hold back. I walked right up. I mean, and there were legends in the room. I was like, I'm not crazy. I'm not just, I can't walk up to Conan O'Brien. I mean, I'm going to stare at him, but I'm not walking up to him. But the Heim sisters, I was like, whoa, that, hello. Walked right up and I can confirm the rumors that Taylor Swift is the fourth Heim sister are not true because it's me. Hi, I'm the problem. It's me. It's me, Taylor. I'm the fourth Heim sister. I I mean, maybe I'm delusional. I just think I fit right in. And Esty, who I was, I was like, your name's Esther, right, bitch? She's like, yeah, it is. And we just really hit it off. It was really fun to talk to some little like-minded Jewish brunettes and I, girls, if you're out there, call me. We're having a sleepover. But it, it is also, this is all just, it's it's interesting how like people who you're similar to, you just feel more comfortable talking to them. Like I would never just walk up to like any of 
like the random people, men, cool, famous, successful men there. But it's like anyone that is like a petite Jewish brunette, I'm like, hey, donut. Really? You have to bark like right now. I love you though. I love you. So that was fun. Also, I saw Idina Menzel and I did a thing where I looked at her, made eye contact, said hi. Don't know her. Obviously, I don't know her. I've never met her. Just waved, said hi, and then like in so much shame, scurried away because I was like, I'm but I'm like, then I was immediately like, that happens to famous people all the time. I'm sure people say hi because they're just too excited. And that's it. And I think that's probably the best interaction for a famous person to have. Like just a friendly hello from afar and then move on. And so I'm proud of that. And she was beautiful. And I love her. And I saw her in Wicked. That's right. That's how real I am. I saw her in Wicked. Have, did I even, have I even told you guys I saw Leah Michelle and Funny Girl a couple weeks ago in New York and it was so good. I, I love my fellow Jewish queens. I really need them. They make the world go round for me. I need them. And I think probably too because I don't have a Jewish mom, there's like an extra special connection with Jewish women when I meet them because they're like, they're both similar to me but also like a mythical mystery. Like, I don't know. It's a weird thing that is not worth saying any more about. Okay. So big news in my life. I made my own chicken thighs. My Trash Tuesday co-host, Kalila, was talking about how she was going to make chicken thighs for dinner one night. And she was explaining this, like ginger and celery and carrots and onions. And I was like, that is such hot girl vibes. And I thought I suddenly like was taken away on this fantasy in my head of like, oh my God, what if I could make my own chicken thighs? Like what if I could go to the grocery store and make my own nourishing, healthy, delicious, feel good meal? And I just was and so many things like almost made it not happen. I was like, no, I'm too hungry to have time to cook or oh, I actually ate too much. It's not a good night for that to have a big dinner. There's so many, you know, as the uh, writer of the war, the war of art. Yes. The war of art. Stephen Pressfield would say would call resistance. Like I had so much resistance coming up to just making chicken thighs resistance is normally something that they say like that's what you get when you're procrastinating right it's the famous examples like someone who wants to write a novel but they just they they'll do anything in their power not to write it that's resistance I had that for making chicken thighs so yeah that's not a good sign for me but I overcame my resistance I got the ingredients Kalila gave me very little in, 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 ver, in terms of instructions. Like I could have really used a full recipe and I even Googled like trying to find exactly what she made. Couldn't, didn't want to bother her because I tend to be so needy in that relationship. And I'm like, really just, I want to, I want to respect boundaries. So I, I kind of made it right. It was good. I think I basically learned as long as the chicken is cooked, which was my biggest fear is not cooking chicken through. I don't know why. I think a lot of women have this though, where like, especially if you've gone through periods of your life where you've been vegan or vegetarian or you just never 
we're that into meat. Like, it's so intimidating to cook chicken. And I know that sounds fucking crazy because everyone in America does it, but there's a subset of us that are really afraid to handle raw chicken. And part of it comes from being squeamish. Part of it comes from the haunting, ghostly lure of salmonella. Like, I'm still to this day when I crack open an egg, I'm like, oh, my God, I I only have 10 seconds to burn my skin off with hot water before salmonella seeps into my skin and takes over my body and my bloodstream. So I'm... I'm scared of chicken, okay? I'm I'm scared of raw chicken. I know that's weird because I recently took a really strong stance on Trash Tuesday where I talked about how I'm not scared of dead bodies, which I'm not. A, a person alive is so much scarier than a person that is a dead body. A dead body cannot hurt me, okay? A person might have a weapon. They might ha- They might hate me. They're definitely taller than me because that, okay, another tangent. It's like also realizing so much of my personality comes from the fact that I'm literally five feet tall and I'm so much, oh my God, that was another thing. Last night, my friend Matt was at this event and this man is like six, eight. And I'm like, I actually told him, I'm like, I'm physically and emotionally uncomfortable talking to you. I'm, I'm so uncomfortable with how tall you are. And it's so weird because height is like the number one flex in dating culture. It's all about everyone wants a tall guy. And I get it. Like, I totally get it. We've all had that one hug from a tall guy, like, you know, a formative year of our life. where We're like, whoa, this is like really special. But I definitely don't have tall guy disease anymore. Like, In fact, like when I meet a guy who's really tall, I'm kind of like, okay, I like, I kind of profile them a little, you know, I'm like, okay, girls like you very easily. You have certain advantage, you know, you're more powerful just organically. So that's really something that I have to be aware of anyway, just made me, it was just like. So I just had to call it out. And then I'm like an, an annoying person that's just talking about height. I know that's also lame, but whatever. Completely forgot where it was. Oh, chicken thighs. Something about that. So I made them. And I guess you could say I've got a lot of self-confidence from making my own chicken thighs. And not to hit you with too much at once, I've already made them twice. I made them on Sunday night. I made them tonight. It's Wednesday night. They taste fine. You know, there's not a crisp in sight. They're very mushy, and the skin, it should probably be crispy. It's not. I don't know why not. But they taste good. I find myself really leaning on salt. I really never understood how important salt was, but I do now. And... That was that's kind of like the hot girl homework for the week is like go make your own chicken thighs. There's a recipe by that TikTok account baked by Melissa that was pretty similar I think to what I was told from Kalila so that I would kind of go off of that. I think it's like a, it's one where she talks about making Molly Baz's get well soup. I don't know. I I've I've lost all control of my my feelings. 
Let's talk about anti-sadness. So this week, my anti-sadness is catching myself in my anxiety loops, which have been a little bit worse lately. I think it's because I, oopsies, forgot to take my my low dose of Lexapro for a couple of days in a row. It was just things were busy and I was out of my routine. And I think that that actually messed me up a little more than I had anticipated. And also... I did a really dumb thing that is really, I don't want to admit to it, but I'm going to for the greater good. So I forgot to take my Lexapro for a few days, right? That's normal. That happens. But then I was like, oh, I haven't taken it for a few days. Like, I'm fine. And I fell for this sick trap of being like, oh, maybe like this is a good time. Like it's, I'm on such a low dose anyway that like it probably doesn't even matter. And I've already been off it for a few days. So it's like, let me just keep going. And so I like half consciously kind of was like, I won't, I don't need it. And then I was just feeling really low, low energy. And I, and I immediately was like, whoa, that was a really dumb fucking idea. And I told Dave about it. And I was embarrassed to tell him, but he was like, look, that explains some things. That's great news. And then he gave me really good advice, which I'm going to share because I'm going to follow this advice. And that is don't just like randomly decide not to take it because you forgot a few days. If you're going to go off a medication, take that really seriously. Do it in advance. Talk to your doctor. Like, Yes, I'm only on five milligrams, but it's, there's probably, it's most likely that like halving the dose, what I'm sure there's protocol. I have not looked it up because I'm not going to go off of it, but, and I just like, oh, this sounds talking about meds. It just sounds so dramatic. And I just must, must emphasize I'm on a low dose of the most common antidepressant in our country. This is not a big fucking deal. But what is a big deal is being stupid and thinking that you can just like play with, play God with your medicines. But also like, I think it was just in the air because I feel like I keep hearing from people, oh, they're running out of Adderall or like Ritalin. Like a lot of people's medications are low. Like they're, they're not widely available. And I was like, that. what if that happens to me? There's all these like little things subconsciously. Anyway, my anti-sadness is inspired by, you know, my anxiety got pretty, it it got worse, uh, through this little anti-med moment I had. And what I realized, I came to the realization that I think a lot of my anxiety loops are just distracting me from, it's like a form of resistance or a form of procrastination. Like the things that my brain will loop about are so pointless like they're not founded in reality it's not even that it's more just like I will pine for something or long for something and it's just like it's like are you that bored like look around you like the present moment is so much better than these loops in my head and god I the thing that really 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 bothers me is that I've been aware of anxiety loops for a really long time right like not really long, but you know, I've just become aware of my anxiety and how it works. And 
it just bothers me that I let it kind of get bad again recently. And I, I'm like, okay, it's cause of the med thing. And, you know, just like Dave has been out of town. I think that is just not easy. So there's all these little things that do add up and make your mental health not as good as it, as it used to be. And it's better when your mental health is better. So I'm going to take care of myself and do what the doctor said, which is to stay the course. My taste of the week is, it's actually, okay, so it's this, it's a treat, and it's something that I, when I first discovered them, I was like, these are so good, they taste like the best of everything I've ever had. And they were so good that I stopped buying them, right? I was like, oh, my God, I can't. And then I, well, no, first they were so good that I hid them. Then I stopped buying them. And then this week I remembered that I secretly had them hiding at, like, the bottom of the back, way back bottom corner of my fridge. And I obviously ate them. And then I was like, damn, when I finished the bag. And then I was like, wait, I think I might have like something else. And I look and I had another bag of this exact tree. And I was like, yes. Oh, my God. My former self had two of these bags that were just so forbidden. Okay, so what they are, and it's kind of like I would describe it as a healthy, like good ingredient, yummy dessert snack treat. And they're the brand H.U., who and it's their chocolate covered hunks and it's just cashews and vanilla bean they're basically like dark chocolate covered cashews there's something about them they're they taste somehow they have like a french fry pop to them like you know when you bite into a crispy french fry there's that sort of sensation with these like there's such a crunch but it's like an airy crunch and the chocolate and the salt, they're just so good. And I actually really want to get some for my dad because he's been eating goobers. He's on, he's on a really strict goober regimen. I don't know if you know, those like usually come in a movie theater style box candy and they're chocolate covered peanuts. That's fine. Let the 80 year old man have his little treats that he has, but I would, I really do intend to get him off the goobers and onto the, these chocolate covered cashew things that are so good from the brand who obviously this is not sponsored obviously oh and I do think that these will go in uh one of my hot girl tiktoks because I think these qualify they they have to go through a rigorous process to qualify but which is so it's so weird how the thing I take the most seriously in my life and have the most passion for is making TikToks about things that hot girls like. I can't, you can't help who you are, okay? You can't change certain things about your DNA, and I don't intend to. My crush of the week is my dog, Donut, because as what, what always happens when Dave is out of town is we just get so close. We're so intimate. She's on my lap all the time. We sleep together. I'm I'm her sole provider for all the meals, all the OEUs, which means outside. Um, 
<laughs> Why did I need to tell you that? Also, now in, all my, in my friend circle, W's means walk because we never want to say that word in front of her. Anyway, she's my crush. I love being super close to her. And I also find that a lot of the time I don't actively appreciate her. And I have to, like, because so often I'm more interested in what's going on on my phone and she's just whatever. But I'm like, wait, this is like my time on earth. And I'm, I often do think about how I'm so lucky that I get to share my time on earth with her. She's so cute and sweet and I love her. And... I need to like put my money where my mouth is and really appreciate her more. And so I'm trying to look at her and touch her and talk to her and just really like be a good fellow earthling to her. And I'm her caregiver. And I always say my number one responsibility to planet earth that I've signed up for is taking care of her and keeping her safe. Right? Like, Everyone else in my life is an adult. I don't, they don't actually, I have no real true responsibility for them. Obviously there's, I do, but I'm just saying like in the greater scheme of things, she's my, my number one. Um, okay. This has been on my mind and it's basically the concept that Everything that a human can feel, say, or experience has already been felt or said or experienced by someone else. And for some reason, I find that fact to be strangely humiliating. Like the fact that I've invested my whole life in being a person who is creative and shares and digs deep into who I am and how I feel about things. The fucking fact that there's nothing brand new that's ever going to come out is really, I find embarrassing. And the way that I came to this realization was a very simple way that anyone who's cultured would know And that is that if you watch an old movie, bro, all the themes are are the same. They're irrelevant. They're all the same fucking human experience that we're having. I mean, yes, there's differences, right? Like technology, right? Social media. That's all that's all added some weird shit into the mix and it's amplified things. But it would shock you the extent to which it's all the same. It's all been said. It's all been felt. It's all been done. Like my pain is not special. My struggles, my good feelings, my intense relationships, my laughing with friends, none of it is individual or special. It's all the same. And I think, you know, I was talking about this with Dave and I was like, are you embarrassed and humiliated by this fact? And he's like, no, that's just the way things are. And he pointed out that, you know, maybe because I've put so much stock into individuality and like feeling like I'm different or whatever, that it's like, it's, it's, it's having a stronger effect on me, but like, that's also so embarrassing to admit like, oh, I think I'm special. That's fucking Actually, that's just, that's disgusting. 
it's just embarrassing how much I'm going to say we, but you know I mean to say I, but I'm going to say we for my dignity. It's so embarrassing how badly we want to be special. Okay, I'm dragging you into this with me. We, we really want to feel special. And that is embarrassing. And I don't like it. But at the same time, I can't stop my pursuit of it. That is a way that I feel mm, like myself. I don't know, but uh, this is nonsense. It's just, my headline is it's humiliating that everything has been felt and done and said before. You know, and another thing, it's like, it's deeper than, not deeper, it's actually, I think the deeper version of it is like seeing the themes, you know, in old movies, like, I'm obsessed with this novel, The Picture of Dorian Gray, and this, let me look up, when is this, when did this come out? Um, so it's this novel, The Picture of Dorian Gray, and it gets referenced a lot in pop, pop culture, I actually think. And it's it's the only novel that Oscar Wilde wrote, which I think is why I was so drawn to it because, you know, in high school I studied theater and so I was really, I was so against like reading any of the books that we were assigned in English class. I was like, ew, books, boring. But then when it came to plays, I was like, oh yes, playwrights, like they're smarter and plays are where I can act and be on stage and be pretty. So those are good. And so I was like drawn to this one novel because Oscar Wilde wrote it. Um, and it's just the basic premise of the picture of Dorian Gray, which if you are curious about it, I do recommend the night, the movie version that was made in the forties. It's, it's just, it's good in my opinion, if you like old movies and if you don't like old movies, try to, (sighs) I sound like an old person. That's really bad. It's so bad. Oh my God. Um, but basically it's about this like young, handsome guy and someone like puts the idea in his head, like, oh my God, you know, your looks aren't going to last forever and then life's going to suck. And then somehow he like sells his soul to the devil and he never ages, but he has this beautiful painting of himself. And as each day goes on, the painting ages and he doesn't. And so you'll hear references like, oh, I've got a painting in my attic that doesn't look good that kind of thing. These references that I have to stop myself from making in everyday conversation because I I really have the personality of someone who only knows one book and it's the picture of Dorian Gray and I'm going to be found out about that. So the reason that this like pointed me to this direction is because there are so many things in here that I related to. I mean, first of all, like it's about not wanting to age like that in and of itself. It's like, we all think that that is this modern issue. I mean, maybe not, maybe everyone knows that that's universal. And this is a really bad example because there's so many more intricate things that would be better examples, but I can't think of them right now. Anyways, old shit, new shit. It's all the same. We have no new thoughts. The other way I realized that I'm just like everyone else, I'm like everyone else, is like 
you'll just see people online who, you know, maybe it's a friend of a friend, random, we're on this, the discovery page, whatever, and they have the same necklace as you or they're reading the same book that you are reading or they love the same fajitas that you love. And it just has made me feel like, oh my God, here I am sitting here feeling like I'm so special and my tastes make me so unique. But it's like, bro, wake, wake up. Millions of people are the same as you. And so that's just a thing I'm dealing with. I'm just dealing with the fact that I'm a fuck nothing like everybody else. And maybe there's peace there, you know? It's like, and I don't think I need to give up completely on my journey towards specialness and feeling, because I can feel however I want to feel. I think I just need to ground myself a little bit more and be like, okay, like, chill. You're not, you're, you're like everybody else and that's not that bad. Okay. The next subject is actually kind of a repeat, but it felt so valuable to me personally. This is why when I opened the show, I'm like, this is my pleasure. This is for me, but that really means it's for you is because I want to like, if there's themes or ideas that I talk about on here that I, I like, I want to like get in the habit of repeating them here and there because I, I, for myself. So this one, I, you may have remembered that I touched on it, but basically I was saying like, you know, there's this whole, um, self-help advice out there. That's like, if it isn't a hell yes, it's a hell no. And I totally took that on for a while and was like, yeah, like if it's not a hell yes, it's, it's a no. If something isn't a hell yes immediately, then it's not for me. But then I realized like, oh my God, I'm an unreliable narrator in my own life. I'm a hypocrite. I can't be trusted. You know why I know I can't be trusted? Because at midnight when I'm in bed making my plans for the next day, I think to myself, oh, I am so happy that I'm committed to yoga. I am so fucking happy. That is one of the greatest achievements of my life right now. The fact that I go to yoga weekly, that I'm... I'm a fucking superstar. I'm the best version of me from that. But then when I wake up the next day, I'm like, I literally cannot believe I'm fucking, I have a yoga class. That is horrible. I, I would do anything in the world not to have it. I'm, I, this is just absolutely unfair. And my life can't really truly be enjoyed until this is over. And everything up until that yoga class, I might as well just write it off as lost time on earth. And that's how I know I'm an unreliable narrator. And that's how I know that if something isn't a hell yes, slow down and give it some fucking thought, okay? Because you cannot be trusted with these big decisions just because there is a book or because some super successful person gave you that advice. Because that person, it might be true for them. It's not true for you. It's not always, it could be sometimes, it's not always. And so I'm encouraging you guys, as well as mostly just myself, to give things like thought before you rush to a decision and like know that you may be also an unreliable narrator and you need to kind of like one mull things over and two 
be more open to things that aren't an immediate hell yes is really the simplest way to put it. <sighs> God, I'm all right. Oh, this was a random idea that I had this week. I <laughs> I sort of aspire, like I think a a fantasy that I have is if I could have one day off a week where I just decided to like be anyone I wanted to be. And I know that sounds way more schizophrenic than I really mean it to sound, but like a lot of these, like my TikTok feed is like, you know, be the person you want to be, like pretend you're them or, you know, make up an idealized version of yourself. That's, that's what I saw was this girl had this idea where she was like, I'm doing seven days where I'm acting as though I'm the hottest, most successful version of myself. And I thought that was really cool. And I watched all of her little videos about it. And I'm interesting, not interested in doing it. I'm not doing that. I have no motivation to do that, but I'm really intrigued by the concept of it. And I was just thinking like, is there a way to pull that concept give myself a lighter version of it and I don't know just like wake up on a Sunday and make myself a little itinerary where I'm not my normal self and you know the fact that I'm even thinking things like this and talking about them out loud with with people is it's ultimately sad but it's also fine and that's just, a, I don't have a concrete plan there for that, but it's something that I'm interested in exploring. I don't really know what kind of persona I would be seeking out, maybe just a person who cleans their kitchen. Like, realistically, that's pretty much, if I accomplish that, then this was all worth sharing and embarrassing myself for. But, like, I I think a version would be, like, wake up on a Sunday and just pretend I'm a person that keeps a clean house. Just, like just pretend that and do it you know the tricks we have to play on these little minds we have there's it's so our silly little minds our silly little thoughts and feelings well I think I've overshared today I think I've made some people uncomfortable I think that if you dislike me you dislike yourself. And that's what keeps me going is knowing that if you're here and you're into it, you like yourself. You're curious. You want to know more about what's going on in there. You probably want a, your life to be good. And you're creative. You're intelligent. You're emotionally intelligent. And you like you probably really like snacks if you like me I just feel that in my heart um and do I have an like I'm coming to Miami April 21st you can get tickets at estheronice.com I've been working on my stand-up this week a lot I'm really excited about some new bits I have and um I'm thinking I'm, oh, I'm going to add dates in Atlanta, New York, Boston, eventually this fall. So that's going to be great. I really appreciate you for being here. Ugh, 
I, I just, especially this week, I'm just like, God, this podcast rules and the people who listen to it, I'm really glad they're here. All right. I'll see you guys next week.